Amen. Please take your seats. We're going to, uh, later on in the service, release our ministry team. Uh, if they've got any words uh, and prophetic leadings, there'll be time for that later. But uh, we're going to get straight into the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. Numbers 13, chapters 13, verse 17. I'm going to speak to you today on the topic of the power of a good report. The power of a good report. We're looking forward to having R.T. Kendall with us next Sunday. Uh, regulars know that R.T. has joined the Kensington Temple ministry team for a period of around six months, and as well as teaching at the Bible school and other things, um, he's also going to be a regular preacher each month. So next Sunday, R.T. will be speaking at the five o'clock teaching service, bringing some teaching, and also at the seven o'clock Holy Spirit ministry service. And um, the seven o'clock especially, I encourage you to bring somebody that doesn't know the Lord, because there's a very powerful anointing on RT at the moment in, in uh, preaching the gospel and getting people saved. When he last was with us preaching at the 9-11, so many people came to the Lord at both of those services and uh, he's giving altar calls at everything he does. So next Sunday, five o'clock teaching service, RT, but also seven o'clock is going to be ministering and there will be a powerful altar call. So uh, we, we really want to uh, make the most of that. The power of a good report, Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruits of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. And the place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They, then they told him and said, we went to the land which you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we're well able to overcome it. 
But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came up from the giants, and, and, were like, and, and, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out of the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting before all the children of Israel. Very powerful Bible reading that. Um, very powerful things were going on. Forces that were at work for good and for evil. And we see here the power of a good report, but we also see a, the power of a bad report. Whatever you believe, if you believe the good report, that will take you through to inherit the promises. But if you believe the bad report, not only will you not inherit the promises that God has made to you and to us, but you will forfeit your inheritance and God will be displeased with you. Very powerful story that we see here. This, this is the point where the Israelites were to exercise their faith in the promise. This was the point where they had to make a choice. Did they believe God for everything he had promised or did they not believe him? And uh, so far things hadn't been good. It was time to possess the inheritance and so far... The Israelites had been believing bad reports. When they came out of uh, Egypt and they faced the Red Sea, they had a bad report. How are we going to get through this? We're blocked against the sea and our enemies are hotly pursuing us. Why did God bring us out of Egypt to take us to this sea so that we would be slaughtered? And God worked a miracle and made a way through where there was no way. As soon as they crossed the other land, they started to have another bad report. We've got no water. 
We're all going to die, millions of us, no water. What sort of God takes you out of Egypt, gives you all the promises of this, that, and the other? Land of milk and honey, we'd just be happy with a glass of dirty water. We are fainting, we are dying. What sort of God is this? We should have stayed in Egypt. A bad report. God led them to the waters of Mara. Water, they thought at last, until someone took a taste of it and realized it was bitter water. Another bad report. What sort of God would take us out of Egypt? We have no water. And what sort of sick God would then bring us to water only for it to be bitter? We'd be better off in Egypt. God cleansed the water. And then the next thing. What sort of God takes us out and gives us water but no food? And God gave them manna. What sort of God gives us manna every day? Manna burgers, manna steaks, manna pizzas. <laughs> Manna pudding, we are sick. What sort of God would do this? We were better with the onions and garlic back in Egypt. And God said, you want it? You got it. And gave them more meat than they could cope with when he sent that quail down. What sort of God? What sort of God? Moses goes up on the mountain. The glory falls. And all they can do is say, what sort of God would hide up there with Moses on the mountain? And here we are down here and we don't know what's going on. And we need our own God and, we'll, and, and Aaron help us. And let's get a golden calf going and let's start celebrating like the Egyptians and the foreign nations. Uh, what sort of God would... Again and again, bad report, bad report, bad report. Even though God kept coming through for them, they had a negative mindset... They had an unbelieving mindset, and that mindset was switched to negative. So when anything ever happened, they always took the most negative response, the most negative view of what was going on. It just needed to be a little thing, and then it would be like, what sort of God would take us here? Well, it's not looking good, but here they are now at the promised land, and this is their time to fight. They'd been mumbling, groaning, um, offspring of God in the, in the wilderness so far, but now God wasn't just going to feed them with manna and keep them going uh, step by step. God was going to say, now's the time for you to rise up. God had carried them on eagle's wings, the Bible says, so far. They'd just been and they were mumbling and groaning about that. And now God was saying, now I want you to go in and to possess the land. And when you go in, all the bread's going to stop. All the manna's going to stop. All the water. You're going to have to fight for what I have promised you. And so as we read, we see that Moses sent out the 12 spies. And um, he wanted them to go and find out what the land was. But he wanted them to go with a positive mindset. He said in verse 20, be of good courage. That was his command. Interestingly enough... When uh, Joshua was about to enter into the land with a new generation that was not unbelieving, but believing, uh, God just kept saying, the whole of Joshua chapter 1 is, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Meditate on my word and be strong and courageous. And every place you put your foot, I will give to you. Only be strong and courageous. That was the message given to Joshua and his generation. It was the same message given to this generation by Moses. He says, be courageous, be courage. Don't go in there with a negative report. Go in there bold. But he didn't just say go in there and be of courage and, 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 and be realistic. He was realistic. 
Moses said, I want to know where the strong points are, the weak points are. I want you to reconnoiter the whole place. I want you to, to explain. I don't want you to pretend everything's as it is or, or give, give a false report. I want the report of the exact state of where we're going so we know what we're facing. But I don't want a negative report. I want a report of courage. And by the way, I want you to bring some of the fruit of the land. I want the people to see and taste, have a foretaste of what we're going to enter in. Because they've never been in this place before. <clears throat> all they've known is slavery in the heat of Egypt. And all they've known so far is wilderness. But they're going into a land that's promised to us of milk and honey. And I want them to get a taste. I want them to get a feel. I want, I want them to, to get a first fruit, a foretaste, so that they get the taste of where they're going. I don't want them just to enter in blind. I want them to know what's there. So I want you to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And so they did. They went in. They were there 40 days. And they came back with the fruit. And they gave their report to the people. And uh, this is what they said. Verse 27. Numbers 13. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. That's where they should have stopped. Because they had nothing else to say, those ten. That's where they should have just stopped. It was just like God had said, flowing with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So everything that God said, it was. And not only that, they had brought back some fruit. And you see on that picture behind me, uh, that's the picture of them there in front of the Israel, and they've got up on that big stick the fruit. They're showing the fruit of the land that they're, to, that they're there to possess. And uh, this, is, this is a very famous image. You can get models of... Um, of the spies carrying the fruit on a wooden thing. In fact, in, in Colin's uh, office just upstairs, he has on, on one of his mantelpieces there, he's got a wooden carving of, of two of the spies coming back with great fruit hang, hanging down. And, and this fruit, I really believe, is important. It, it wasn't just the promise. There, were, there was a foretaste that there was an important thing to get a feel, to get a taste of what was to come that would give them strength to go in and conquer. You know, sometimes when you talk to people about where God wants us to go as a people or a church, and you're describing where we're going, sometimes they just can't see it. And that's why God will often give us tastes of revival, experiences or tastes of the Holy Spirit, or visions or, or dreams He'll give us tastes of where he wants to take us. I, I, I can only speak about myself, can't speak about you, but m probably it's the same. Uh, when I look at my life and I look at my ministry, been at Kensington Temple now 23 years or so, and I look at the experiences, especially in the early days, God gave me many experiences. At the time, I thought, this is, this is it. This is, this is me. I'm entering into the destiny of these things. I didn't know at the time what it was. It was a taster. It was the fruit. Also, God has given us as a church over the years many different tastes of fruit, both in reviving works of the Holy Spirit, sanctifying works of the Holy Spirit, 
evangelistic and miraculous workings of the Holy Spirit, prophetic workings of the Holy Spirit. I think at the time when miraculous oil was being produced in people's hands week after week and sometimes drops just on people's heads and, and, and it was just a consistent work of God, this oil coming out and God said to us that God was putting the anointing in the hands of the people. It was a season, it was a taste. We thought, is this it? No, it was like this fruit. And, And this is a principle of God that where he wants to take you, he will give you foretastes of. And the foretastes of where he wants to take you will become from the Holy Spirit. Now, you can see this even in Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Romans 8, 23, it says... And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves waiting eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That's talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is a deposit, a guarantee that we will be raised from the dead should Jesus tarry. The Holy Spirit is a deposit. It's a foretaste of the kingdom to come in all its fullness. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14 says that the Holy Spirit guarantees our inheritance. And John chapter 16 verse 13, John 16 verse 13, speaking about what the Holy Spirit will do, one of the things the Holy Spirit will do, it says, John 16 13, he will tell you things to come. And so the Holy Spirit will come to the believer, come to the church in his many manifestations, and will attempt to bring us into a first fruit experience, into a foretaste experience of the fullness of the inheritance that God wants us to have. You see this time and time again in the lives of people in the Bible. You think of Abraham. It was a long time till he got his Isaac, but he had an experience with God, an experience with the Holy Spirit that guaranteed and gave him a foretaste of the power of God that would produce this miracle. In fact, not only did he see that, but he even foresaw the slavery and the release from slavery in Egypt 400 years later. The Holy Spirit gave him a taster and an experience of things to come in his life, but also things to come in his descendants' life. This is what God does. God gave Moses early experiences of his power. Remember the burning bush? Many, 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 many years before he would bring the Israelites into deliverance. Why then? Why then? Why not later? That experience was an experience. It was a foretaste of the presence and fire of God that would come down on Mount Sinai. In his early years as a boy, in Pharaoh's court, God gave him experiences. God gives people experiences and insights and tasters of where he wants us to be. God has been doing that to you and God has been doing that to us as a body of Christ together. And uh, the things that God has prepared for this church and this ministry, we've had foretastes of. We've had tastes of the fruit. Some people have tasted of the fruit and said, this is that, this is all there is. No, it's a taste. Some people have felt the moves of God that have taken place in this house or the moves of God that have taken place in your personal life 
And, and at times you've thought, this is it. But the move came and the move waned. Something else happened, an experience, an excitement, a prophetic dream, a vision. Uh, the power of God came on your life. Something happened that was remarkable. But then, like waves that come and recede, it leaves. God, and at those times some people get worried. Oh, oh was that it? I've lost it. Not at all. God is doing what he's doing here. It, like the spice, he's bringing you a taste of things to come. I remember when I was uh, newly born again in my first year at university. And once I'd settled down, uh, somebody said, why don't you come and help us on this outreach that we do to some of the mining vi villages amongst the youth? And I said, yeah, fine, why not? So I gave up playing football uh, and, and began to do this instead and put my time. And we do youth clubs there. And it was tough work. They, they were... They were hard, toughened teenagers. And um, they were not soft at all to the gospel. On the contrary, it was hard enough just to keep the peace there. But we had a week where they were going to come in to one of the colleges in the university, and it was just a whole week where we do activities and things like that. And so they came along, and the, the team of students that were leading it, we were a mixed bag. Uh, we had people from different denominations. Some were spirit-filled, some weren't. Some weren't even saved. Um, and so right from the beginning, myself and my friend who had discipled me, he's now a, a canon in the Church of England, Canon Mark Payne discipled me. Uh, and we were there, and we were going, we need to get these kids saved, or else what is the point? So we're like, we've got to get them saved. And they're like, no, we don't, no, take it easy. And it was like this, and there was tension. The kids were having a great time. And then in the end... Something just came on me, and I said, you know what, Mark, forget this. Let's call them together before breakfast, and let's preach the gospel to them. So we called about 20 uh, uh, girls and boys aged, I don't know, 14, 15, 16, that type of age. And we got them together, and we sat down, and I just stood up and said, right, I'm going to tell you something very important right now, and I want you to listen. And something came upon me, and I preached them the gospel. And at the end of it, they were weeping. The boys were weeping too. And the power of God came down and they got saved. Now, I thought, wow, this is amazing. And it was amazing. I never forget. And then I went away and then nothing happened. You know what I'm saying? Nothing happened. The follow-up, there was a few that followed up, but there were people working against what we'd done. Some of the leaders there uh, said that I must have been pulling some sort of Adolf Hitler thing to brainwash them. You know, I was that far from... But praise the Lord, I didn't. And, and then it waned. And, th and then months, months and months and months and months and months, and no, no preaching. I was a student. No, no experience like that. Nothing, you know, month and month. But you know what? That was the fruit of the promised land. That's just a personal, that, that was God saying, taste it. Taste it. Because one day I'm going to place you in a scenario where there'll be a lot more of that. Now, I, that's, my, that's one of my experiences, but I, I highlight that because of you. Now, you say, well, I'm not called to be a, a platform minister. Fine, but what has God spoken to you and what has God called you to do? And not just in what he wants you to do will he have given you tasters and experiences by the Holy Spirit, but also in whom he wants you to become. He'll give you tastes and experiences of you at the top of your game with God. 
You know, there have been times when you've been on the top of your game with God. I mean, you are on fire for the Lord. And you look back and think, I wish I was like that again. And I remember on New Year's Eve, uh, on the millennium, 2000, New Year's Eve, when we had an all-nighter at the tabernacle. We were preaching all night, ministering all night, having breakfast in the morning. To cut a long story short, I just went to refresh myself in the bathroom, wash my face to keep myself awake. And I was there, I washed my face, and as I looked up to the mirror, I caught my own eye. It was strange. I don't know how, I don't know how many of you spend time gazing at yourself in the mirror. I usually just, um, is everything okay, and, and have a shave and get But I caught my own eye. And as I caught my own eye, the Holy Spirit began to do something inside me and gave me an internal picture and not physical, but eternal. As I caught my own eye, I saw myself in the spirit. And I saw myself, it's hard to describe because it was a spiritual experience, but I saw myself fully mature. I saw myself fully mature in Christ. I was full of peace and confidence in him. No fear, joyful. I could see in myself, it wouldn't matter what was thrown my way. It would just bounce off me because I was in faith with God, walking with the Lord. And and I looked at that, and it was just a few moments of that glimpse. And I thought, how marvelous. And then I came back to my old me. Do you know what I'm saying? But is that discouraging? No, it's not discouraging at all. It was God giving, it was the Holy Spirit showing me things to come. It was the Holy Spirit saying, see, you've had a taste of what you can become, who you can become. And you say, are you there yet? Nowhere near, but the vision's still there. I've tasted it. It's possible. I'm not, I'm not aiming for something that, that is impossible. I know what I will be like when I'm fully mature, if I follow God's plans and faith. You say, well, I haven't had that experience. No, the Holy Spirit will give what's appropriate to you. And what's appropriate to me. So the bringing back of this fruit is very important. I want you to get this in your spirit. I want you to look at your life. Through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. It may may be that you've had tastes from the Holy Spirit. Well before you got saved. Could be as a child. I don't know. Only the Holy Spirit can show you. You trace your life. And you see visitations of God. Moments of the Spirit. Speaking to you. Not just about things of the spirit in that sense, but also about your career, your path, your destiny, your personality. God has given you the fruit to see, to taste. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us foretastes and guarantees, and then he invites us to come and, and, and get more. And so they had this foretaste. You see it in that picture right behind me? They lifted it up. Before everybody could see, Every, it was a partial, but it was, it, although it was partial, although it was a foretaste, it was a foretaste of the real thing. They hadn't gone past Tesco's Express and said, got any grapes? Yeah, here they are. They, they had gone to the real place of destiny and they had brought back real fruit from the real promised land. It was real. It really was from there. These experiences that God gives us as individuals and these experiences that God gives us as the church, these are real experiences. They're not pretend. They're not, uh, what's the word, synthetic. They are real experience and real tastes 
of what God wants us to have in fullness. And so if they had just looked at it, they would just seen it and said, I want more of that. That's where we're going. Taste and see that the, the Lord is God. But they said, oh, it truly flows with milk and honey in verse 27. And this is its fruit. But then, nevertheless, they're always sticking a butt in. But the people who dwell in the land are strong. Everybody's eyes were now off the fruit. They were no longer looking at the fruit. They were looking at those giving the negative report. And in their mind, somebody else was trying to give them an experience of the future. The devil. The devil was speaking. This is what Peter tried to do to Jesus. You'll not go to the cross you're not going to die. You're going to be king. You're going to lead a mighty army. You're gonna, trying to give him an experience of a future that was not his father's will. And Jesus saw right through that and he went right through Peter. He just ignored Peter. He went right through Peter and said, shut up, Satan. Shut up, Satan. I do not accept your view or taste of a false future. Because they were thinking in their mind, look, oh, I'm imagining all these, these tough people. I'm imagining these fortified cities. I'm imagining it. I'm seeing an alternative future. And this alternative future is one of defeat. You know, people who say, but, you, know, you, get, you, get, you, you get to know it, don't you? Someone's going there and you're all talking about some new venture or something that we're going to do or some new plan and you're up for it. And then someone, and they always start with a positive, don't they? Well, you know, I think it's a wonderful idea that we want to do a special outreach to that particular area. And, and you're thinking, here it comes. And I think it's great that, you know, we want to touch this type of people and put investment into it. And you're thinking, here it comes. You can, almost, you can feel it, can't you? you know, but, but, and as soon as they say but, it's like, right. Don't have, don't have to say, but, but, stop. Don't have to say anything more. You're against the project. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not against the project. I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. I think it's... But. Stop. No, no buts. No buts. We're, we're either going for it or we're not. No but. When God tells us to go somewhere and gives us a taste of it, we're not doing any buts. Not doing any devil buts. We're going to go in and we're going to do what God has given us a taste of. He's given us a taste of victory. He's given us a taste. He's given us prophetic tastes. He's given us tastes in our heart. He's given us tastes. And you know, it's not enough just to have a taste. It's a wetting of your appetite. You know, it's like when you go into those um, uh, like Tesco's and places like that, and, and you go in and there's somebody sitting on a little table with samples. And they say, oh, would you like to try some of this cake or some of this new meat? And you go, I'd, I'd love to try it. And they give you just a little stick with a tiny little taste. <laughs> and so you take it and you say, oh, that, that tastes, mm, that's, that's quite nice. Can I have another? No, you have to buy it. <laughs> and, and that taste is never enough, is it? But they know what they're doing. Because if you've not tasted it, you're less likely to buy it. But they put that food or whatever it is, or that, that, that new fizzy drink or whatever it is in a tiny little thimble or whatever, and they give you just enough and you go, do you know what, I like that. I want the whole bottle. I want the whole cake. I want the whole meal. I want the whole. And, and, and you go out and you get it. Well, this is what God does with his people by his spirit. 
He gives us tastes in many various ways and many various means. The Holy Spirit comes and gives us a taste of things to come in our own personal lives. A taste of things to come that he wants to do in our church. He gives us a taste. And that taste is meant, is meant not to be enough. Some people I know, they would just sit at the tasting table. They could. That would do for me. doesn't cost anything. It's free. I'm going to go out and pay that. I have to pay something. I have to sacrifice. God gives us a taste so that we pursue. But they turn their, 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 their eyes from the experience that came of the Holy Spirit. They came from the picture and the atmosphere and the actual taste of where they were going to go. And they began to describe defeat. It's interesting that they were away for 40 days and they were soon going to, for every day that they were away, they were going to spend a year in the wilderness. And this bad report affected the people. The people were ready for a good report, this bad report. And so they're saying this. And look, verse 30, it says, Then Caleb quieted the people. What does that mean? It means they were mumbling and groaning and, oh, did you hear that? All these people, oh, and they were believing and they were passing on the bad report. And Caleb said, quiet, quiet. Sometimes we just need to shut up. You know what I mean? Sometimes I just say, will you please shut up? I don't do that normally, but I think it a lot. Shut up. Just shut it. Just shut your gob. That's what we used to say in Yorkshire as kids. Will thou shut thy gob? It was, we did used to say thy, actually. I was in a, a, very, a very small village in Yorkshire, and we did, I did, used, we did used to use these and thous. How's thou doing, Bruce? Oh, I'm fine, how's thou? I'm fine, eh? <laughs> Do you want to go down the shop, get some spice? Spice was sweet. Anyway, enough about that. <laughs> You've never been to Yorkshire, and you probably don't want to go. I came down south, so that's not saying much, is it, about Yorkshire? But will you just be quiet? He quietened the people. Sometimes it's best to keep this quiet if it's negative. Now, we're not talking about not saying things as they are. They were sent out for a proper report. It was the way that they delivered that report that mattered. They were meant to see the fortifications, the strengths. It wasn't, it's, this isn't some sort of charismatic Christian um, living in cuckoo land. You know, revival is just around the corner. 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 Revi You're going around in circles. This isn't some sort of like pretend uh, with, with no substance. We're not talking about that. We're talking about seeing things as they really are. And we know that Great Britain is under the judgment and wrath of God. We know that Europe is under the intense wrath and intense judgment. You say, is it? How many people are saved? How many people are saved? It's because of the judgment of God that's on Europe. But we know that where there's judgment, there's mercy. And we have been called as a priestly nation. The reason that there's judgment is because the church is not being priestly. We need to go to God and say, God, have mercy. Because they don't have any other priests than us. Do you know that? Europe has no other priests than the believers. 
and we have to do the priestly ministry and go to God on their behalf. And so this bad report, it quietened the people. And they said, we are able to take possession for well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up said, we are not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Incredible how two people or two groups of people can see exactly the same facts and come back with totally different opinions. Always be on God's side. You see, there was a context to this. God had already said, I'm taking you to a land of promise, hadn't he? This wasn't just make up your mind. Someone's got a positive mindset and someone's got a negative mindset. This isn't just about positive thinking. It's better than negative thinking. But this isn't positive thinking alone. I'm not saying just be positive. Just be positive. No, we have to see things as they are. But we also have to see things with the eyes of God. I mean, look how they saw things. Verse 33. There we saw the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And then listen what comes next. And so we were in their sight. You see, if, if, you, are, if you see yourself as a grasshopper, don't think that the world is going to see you as a spiritual giant. As a man thinketh, so he is. And so the problem was that they saw themselves as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Now, when God brings favor on your life, people see you in a different way. You see, later on in uh, chapter 14, um, uh, where is it? Uh, verse 9, chapter 14, verse 9, look what happens when the favor of God comes on someone. You see, these negative people said, we're grasshoppers and they see us as grasshoppers. But look what Joshua said. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. And we, we know that when Joshua took his people into the promised land, we know from Rahab that the fear, fear had come upon all the inhabitants. Fear. Now, what is that? That's God. God. God will give you favor. When we talk about Jesus having favor with men, when we talk about favor, what is favor? It's the way people see you. It's the way people treat you. And God says that there are times when he can make you appear in this light or that light in the sight of someone else. They can look at you and immediately they want to bless you. Or they can look at you and immediately they fear you. And there's no rhyme or reason. It's God working in their lives. I remember one particular occasion that I was in. And it, it, was, it was a meeting um, that I was at with a number of quite important people. And I was very intimidated about having to go and represent uh, certain people in this meeting. And I, and I was feeling like a grasshopper feeling like a grasshopper. I'm feeling I shouldn't be doing this. I'm, this is out of my league. I don't want to go there. I don't want to meet with these people. They won't like me. I don't like them. I was just doing a big pity party. And I walked in. And then during the course of that period, the favor of God was, was on me. Nothing that I did, but the favor of God was on me. And at the end of it, when I drove out, I thought, 
That's so weird. The, the, the respect in which I was held, where did that come from? The, the, the way that they listened to what I say, the, it, was like, it, it was like they were the, my greatest supporters. And I was thinking to myself, maybe they thought I was somebody else. Maybe, did they think Billy Graham was coming and they thought I was B Billy Graham who just got some wrinkles? I, I, honestly, I went away and I thought, that is weird. How can I just go in like myself and have these important people be so positive and affirming and open to me? And the Holy Spirit said, just because I didn't understand. I thought, I don't understand this. He said, it's the favor of God. It was nothing that you did. It was God put favor in their hearts for you so that you could do the mission that you'd been sent to do. And God can do that in interviews. And God, God can do that in all different places. And since God showed me that, there are times now, not, it doesn't happen all the time, but there are times when I think, I can see the favor of God on this. I'm talking to someone, or I'm in a situation, and all of a sudden this person is just opening up to me. You say, oh, it's, it's just a connection, it's more than that. I know, I know when you connect with people, just, you know, naturally. No, there's something happening. I'm thinking, my God, the favor of God is, is, is all on me. God must have a purpose for me with this person, this group of people, because this is unnatural, supernatural favor. I can think of a, a, a funeral that I took uh, a short while ago. The majority of people uh, weren't Christians at it. And I thought, this is going to be a tough funeral because it was a baby funeral. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, I'm doing this, but they're all going to be like saying, you know, you're the man of God and look what your God has done. And I was like getting all worried and concerned. And I said, oh, well, I just believe you, God. And when I got there, favor. Favor. On people who I thought didn't like me, favor. Found out only a few days, one of them contacted me. Favor. I'm thinking, this is weird. This shouldn't be happening. This isn't natural. It was God. Now, God can do that in many different ways, not just favor and respect, but then even fear. So God can put the fear of people in a healthy way. The early church was feared. In fact, some of them said, I'm not sure I want to join them. Why? Because uh, the fear of God was on people. So when we go into these situations, when God tells us to go into the promised land of our inheritance and take, and we're going, oh, the people or the obstacles... People are against us. They don't like us. We're Christians. If we go into the city, we'll get locked up. People are out. People are frightening. People are cleverer than us. The heathen is going to destroy us and all these things. And we're looking at this. No. You're going to work and say, oh, I better keep the fact I'm a Christian quiet. They won't like me being a Christian. I better not share my faith. I better not work towards this because they won't like it. Well, you just believe in a bad report, aren't you? The times in my life I've felt a bad report about somebody and I was totally wrong. People I've known who weren't Christians and I've thought they're not interested. They don't want to know. I think I'll keep this quiet that I'm a minister. Oh, what do you do, Bruce? Ah, uh, teaching, speaking stuff. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, you know, lecturing, things like that, yeah. Oh, okay. So where do you do that? Notting Hill, yeah. Lots of, <laughs> lots of stuff at Notting Hill, yeah. Oh, really? I know Notting Hill, so... Oh, uh, where, where do you do it? Kensington Temple. <laughs> Kensington Temple. Yeah, Kensington Temple. I know Kensington Temple. A friend of mine goes there. It's like, well, these types of things, you know. But in my mind, I'd already believed a negative report about a scenario or a person or a situation. 
and, and then it was totally wrong. God doesn't want us going in in a negative report. He wants us to see things as they really are. There's an enemy out there. We're going to have to fight. There's strongholds. But do you know what? God is with us. And God is with us, not just with us. He will do what's necessary with the people that we're going to meet, the people that we're sent to. God will do the work on them. They will be saying, what must I do to be saved? And so our inheritance, wherever God sends you, whatever God's got for you is in your inheritance. We have an inheritance together as a church, but also you have a personal destiny, and those two things are linked together. If you try to get your personal destiny without furthering the destiny of your local fellowship, it won't go well for you. The two things are connected, and God wants us to step in to something that's new. They'd never been in this land, and already they were speaking ill about it. They'd never been there. They'd, they'd never even, they'd had the fruit, but they'd never been there. There was division, conflicting reports, worry, anxiety, fear. They even turned against those with faith. Because somebody in unbelief hates somebody with faith. They don't like it. They find it arrogant, provocative. Who do you think you are? You're the big guy. You believe God's going to do this. You believe God's going to do that. Oh, I don't believe God's going to do anything. And they don't like it. And instead of saying that they're full of unbelief, they try and tear your faith down. They try and knock you down. You're believing God, and they're not believing God. It's not okay for them to say, well, you believe God and I won't. No, they have to bring you down and cut you down to their own unbelieving, natural thinking, stinking way. They won't leave you as you are. They didn't say, I tell you what, those two, Caleb and Joshua, they'd have taken the land themselves. They'd have gone in there themselves. And angels would have helped them. But it wasn't enough to leave them. No, they, they wanted to stone them. They wanted to get rid of the prophetic leadership. They wanted new leaders, leaders that would take them back to where they belonged, to the old mindset, to the place of the unrenewed mind, to the place of slavery. That's where they wanted to go. That's where they want. They didn't want the new thing. God is always on the move. God wants us with new experience, taking new ground, seeing new breakthroughs. He doesn't want us wandering around in the same old wilderness, doing the same old thing. God wants to teach us what it's like to trust him, what it's like to live by faith and pray by faith and see the hand of God in our generation. When, when Hebrews describes this very event in Hebrews 3 verse 12, it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. There is such a revelation regarding the name of God when it's the living God. Whenever the name, the living God, is used in Scripture, it's highly significant. Because the living God means the God that's alive and working right now, right now, in this place, right now, God is alive, he's active, he's working, he's the living God, he's not dead, he's alive, he's living. And that's why, amen, and that's why um, David, when he sees all the paralyzed armies of Israel before Goliath, and why won't they fight Goliath? Because they're wondering, is God here? Well, I don't know if God can take Goliath, not through me. I don't know about this. And they were believing a bad report. Whose report were they believing? Goliath's. Every morning, Goliath would get up and taunt them and speak, I'm going to get you, tear you down, destroy you. I'm not afraid of you. Look at me. I am Goliath. And they believed him. They believed him. 
And then this young shepherd boy comes up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to taunt and oppose the armies of the? See, not just God, the living God. And they were like, shut up, boy. Again, trying to cut his faith, shut up, boy. He says, no, I won't shut up. Living God. I, you come up to me with swords, but I come at you in the name of the living God. That's what he said as he ran into battle and beheaded the giant. So Hebrews, departing from the living God. God is alive. Can we trust him to walk a few more steps into the promised land? Can we trust him to believe him for what he's given us a foretaste of? To go in there, not just have the foretaste, but to go in and, and take the whole orchard. Go in and take the whole vineyard. We've had a taste of the new wine. This was the new wine coming out. It hadn't been fermented, but it was the new grapes for the new wine. We've had a taste of the new wine. Why don't we go in and possess the vineyard of our enemy, the devil? Why don't we go in and push out the enemy and see the kingdom of God extended in our personal lives, our family lives, our church? Why don't we go in and take that land with the spirit of Caleb and the spirit of Joshua and drink some of that milk and taste some of that honey? Get into the flow of God, what he wants for us. What we've experienced in this last generation of weak, insipid, backslidden, powerless church, that is not the destiny that God has planned for us. He does not want us to walk in the past defeats, failures, and samples. He wants us to enter into something new. He doesn't want us in the wilderness of unbelief anymore. He wants us to go into the promised land and start drinking that milk, eating that honey, possessing the gates of our enemy, bringing down walls and strongholds of Jericho, releasing the captives, preaching the gospel, letting the light shine and arise in the darkness of mankind. He wants us to see a vision of a blood-bought Britain, a saved Europe with French and German and Spanish getting saved, radically saved, filled with the Spirit, tongue-talking, ready to join us in the battle for souls. God has not set our future as the past was. It's a wilderness that we've come, in, come out of. And God is calling for a new generation to sanctify themselves and circumcise themselves in spirit and prepare with strength and boldness that God is with us and to be prepared to go into the battle, to prepare to speak. Oh, glory to God. God is hovering, hovering, looking on someone who's going to make that step into the promised land. We're not circling around anymore. We're not eating manna anymore. We're not drinking water anymore. We're going over the River Jordan and we're going to take what Jesus died to give us. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Why don't you sample? Why don't you sample what's here right now in the Spirit? Why don't you sample the victory and the purposes of God that's here right now. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, come on. I'm bringing you the fruit. I'm bringing you a vision, a taste of glory that God wants to send on your life and in this nation. Oh, glory to God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Some of you have departed from the living God. 
Some of you, you've departed from the living God. You're just living some type of religious, moral life. You're barely saved. Glory to God. Anybody can believe God for salvation. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus on the cross. That's not the end. It's the beginning. Anybody can be saved. God's looking for an army. People that will possess and believe together. Oh, hallelujah. Walking around the wilderness, talking a good talk. God wants acts. Acts of the Holy Spirit. Acts of the apostles. Acts of the believers. God is working his acts. A new chapter in the acts of the apostles. For our generation. The problem was they didn't mix what they heard with faith. And as I close, and we're going to move into some ministry, they didn't mix what they heard with faith. You've got to mix it, my friend. And preach all night to you, preach all day. We go to service on a Sunday and sell during the week, and we can read our Bibles, I hope we do, and, and, and read our books and hear great preaching. We can do all these things, but if you don't mix it, mix it with anticipation, mix it with the Holy Spirit's faith that's in you and begin to mix and begin to see and begin to taste and begin to believe and begin to pray and begin to act it will not profit you but if you do if you do there is so much experience that's waiting for us don't don't take your story from the unbelieving past get around people with a good report Get around people with a good report. Listen to a good report. If they don't have a good report and they won't believe your good report, tell them to go away. Tell them to walk off. and Get down with some people that believe in God. We may not be perfect. We may have a long way to go, but at least we're on the journey. At least we're going in the right direction. At least we're prepared by the power of God to enter into somewhere we've not been before, to experience an experience we've not seen before. God is stirring faith in our lives. Let's just... If you're in this place today, if I could have the ministry team on the platform, those that want to give a word, and then when I ask you to give a word, I just want to give you it fast and strong, because we're going to open up the floor for ministry. But is there anyone here... And what you hear you want and you haven't yet established that you're a child of God. I said it's easy to believe. It's so easy to be saved. This is what I'm saying. It's so easy to be saved. Why? Because you don't have to do anything but believe. You don't have to do anything but receive. You see, all you need to do today is believe that Jesus died for your sin and rose again. And I guarantee you're going to heaven. You're saved. Your sins are forgiven you. You've gone from darkness to light in one heart faith statement. And if you're ready to take that step and say, yes, I do believe, then I'm just going to ask you right away to lift your hand and we're going to pray for you. And you will receive forgiveness of sins. Is there anybody here upstairs? Downstairs? You're ready to give your life to Jesus? Probably frightened some of you tonight if you're new here. 
but you say, no, tonight I, I want forgiveness of sins. Just lift your hand. Yeah, at the back. Is there anybody else? You say, tonight I want to be right with God. Another hand. I just want to be right. I want to walk out right. I want to walk out and know that I'm right with God. Not because of anything I've done, but because Jesus died. I want forgiveness in my heart. I want clean slate. I want to be on God's side. Is there, I'm going to ask one more time. Is there anybody else? You're going to walk out tonight knowing that you're right with God. Okay. If I could have the uh, microphone. What we're going to do now is going to hear some words that we believe the Holy Spirit is saying to minister to us tonight and what's on God's heart. Then we're going to open up the floor and after these prophecies have been given, we open up the floor. If you need to leave, you're very welcome to. R.T. Kendall's going to be with us next week. Just wait till these prophecies are released though or you might miss yours. And then we'll open up the floor and we can respond to these words. And if you don't have a word but you have a need, you're also able to come up here and we will pray for you. Someone here who has been uh, disappointed a number of times, wanted to buy a house, been in a chain, got to a certain point, and it's just been disappointed, it's fallen through. It's happened two or three times. If you're here, I'd like to pray for you. Secondly, there's a, a lady or a parent, at least, who I, think, I believe is a mother, who has been restored to a, a relationship, has been restored with a child that had been estranged, had been in a strange relationship between them. The, the relationship is, 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 is going well, but you as a mother are feeling slightly... Uh, condemned, feeling a bit of a shame because of you know, the circumstances surrounding the separation. But God wants to say to you to enjoy the moment, get involved. It's His will, His desire that you're reconciled. So don't allow yourself to be robbed of this. Just be involved. Just get back in track and enjoy the moment. And the last one I want to just to share is there's somebody here who has a problem that what we would call binge drinking. It's not social drinking. It's secret drinking if you like God wants to set you free from that the pain that's causing that God wants to set you free in Jesus name I believe there's someone here tonight who's been struggling through the last past weeks with 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 his life in a sense things have been just upside down the whole life has just been crazy and it's kind of an answer to a prayer that you've said before when you said like I want to trust in God and kind of the whole situation is now upside down because God is saying hey I'm taking those things away for you so that you can put your trust in me and if that's you I would like to come forward so that I can pray with you I believe that's a verse for someone who's struggling with um, serious um, weight issues so it's nothing to do with your diet that's hormone related and God wants to hear you and also uh, that condition affects other areas of your health so he just wants to hear you I um, had a picture of um, two legs in my mind and I saw also gum boots on these legs and I believe that someone is here with a knee problem, probably the right knee and I would love to pray for you and I believe that God will hear you. I believe the Lord wants to heal someone who have a problem from the heart, heart problem and the pain is going around all the chests. When they feel pain from the heart and the pain spot all the chests. And I believe that um, the Lord showed me um, the torso, so the, the, the top of the neck to the, you know, the, the waistline and um, showed me an operation and a major operation. And um, it, he said it was um, 
a wife or with the name Marv or beginning with M and just that it's a good report just as Pastor Bruce was saying it's a good report the Lord said it is well so whoever that is for if they want to come down we can pray for them right, I believe there's a, a young man here who's been living double life um, God has called him back to the church he's very oppressed in his, his spirit his, his body so God has called him um, there's also a, a young child or a, a teenager. Uh, God has called you to give your life. He's got a speech impediment. Um, that's it. I believe that there is a young man here who had a negative experience with his uh, uh, mother. And um, because of that negative experience, he was hurt. And still he's hurting. And what God wants to deliver you at this time. And also there was a mother had a also a negative experience of uh, bringing up a child and because of that negative experience it result of not very nice relationship with that child and God wants to heal you and to, to restore that relationship of a mother and a, a child and I don't know it is, it's a boy child I don't know if you are one of those parents there is someone who has back pain down here right up and then it goes into the joints god wants to heal you tonight amen so if any of those things speak to you <clears throat> we're just going to go into a time of worship right now I'd like to minister to you but even if some you have a need that's not being called out tonight please come forward and we will pray and, and minister to you so um, let's all stand together. If you need to leave at any time now, you're welcome to leave. Artie Kendall will be with us five o'clock, seven o'clock next week. But if you want to wait a while and, and just respond to the Lord and worship him and have some ministry, then we're going to be here for about 15 minutes or as long as it takes for those of you that need ministry. Let's all stand together, please. Everybody standing, please. Everybody up as we go into this section. God bless you, those of you that need to leave.